You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. So the budget has dropped. I feel like we could call this the Build Back Budget. As it revives a number of big ideas from what we used to call Build Back Better. Can you think back that far? You'll see why in a second. But the look, the ink is barely dry on this. I'm going to run through a couple things that you need to know, okay? $6.9 trillion budget. It would increase discretionary spending by 5%, defense spending by 3%, non-defense spending by more than 7%. Now, these are all going to be a problem when this lands on Capitol Hill because remembering House Republicans actually want to see cuts specifically in defense. Well, it's going up, as I mentioned, 3% to $886 billion in this plan. Hold your breath here. It would hike taxes by more than $5 trillion, a 25% tax on billionaires, I'll put it all together for you here, nearly doubling the capital gains tax, hiking the corporate tax rate to 28%, and hiking the personal income tax rate for those making over $400,000 a year. That would be consistent with what we've heard time and again from this White House, essentially undoing the Trump tax cuts from way back in 2017. Okay, also... By the way, of interest to the Bloomberg audience, the plan would eliminate the carried interest tax break. We've heard about that before. Couldn't get it through uh, Congress when Democrats own the place and would cut a tax break for crypto investors. The stalwart must be twitching somewhere. The rule allowing for tax loss harvesting goes away in this plan. Tax incentives for uh, big fossil fuel companies would also be cut. All right. So that's where we are. This is the statement of values, as they call it at the White House. This is not going to be the final version, but you're going to hear people call it DOA and, you know, that it won't. Have, this is actually the beginning of a conversation. The question is, will the White House actually have a conversation about it with Kevin McCarthy, knowing that the debt ceiling debate is hanging over this whole thing? We can no longer ignore the major problem that we have. The size of our debt. That was just last night, the Speaker of the House. He said, wait, I thought we were going to have a deal here, right, on spending controls before we raise the debt limit. He's had one meeting at the White House. We don't know when, if there'll be another. Corrine Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, 
yesterday in the briefing room. We have called on Republicans in the House to do the same, uh, to be transparent, to lay out uh, exactly what it is that they, uh, they how they want to move fo forward with the fiscal year. Uh, one of the things that we have we have uh, heard from them is how they want to continue uh, or want to cut Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and, uh, and ACA. Not that we've seen a plan. We don't know exactly when we'll get one. Mid-April is what we're hearing from our Congress team. That's what Emily Wilkins told us yesterday, speaking to the Republican leadership in appropriations. Of course, the minority leader in the House echoing the refrain we've been hearing, show us your plan. The House Republican budget plan is in the witness protection program. That's new. I haven't heard that. It's in hiding. It's pretty good. Why? Because they want to cut Social Security. They want to cut Medicare. They want to cut veterans benefits. Mm. They want big tax cuts for the wealthy, the well-off, and the well-connected. They want to subsidize big pharma, subsidize big oil, and all the while continue to promote the big lie. Well, okay, we throw that in too, but um, basically the opposite of what President Biden is asking for. So let's bring in Douglas Holtz-Eakin for a bit of insight here. The president of the American Action Forum, he spent time as the chief economist, the Council of Economic Advisors in the White House, former director of the Congressional Budget Office. He's been on both sides of this. And Douglas, it's great to have you back. Uh, the, it's, it's, the headline on the Bloomberg terminal says it all. Capital gains tax nears 45 percent in Biden's soak the rich budget. How's soaking the rich going to go over in this new House majority, Douglas? I mean, there's the politics of this, which is a non-starter. I think you've laid that out pretty clearly. These are proposals that couldn't get through the Congress when the Democrats controlled it. And so there, I have no illusion that these are serious legislative attempts. This is a, a, a vision statement, not uh, a governance document. On the substance, I think they have a problem. Uh, this is There is this notion that somehow you can tax the rich in isolation from the, everyone else, and and there's no repercussions. But if you're going to more than, you know, if you're going to almost double the capital gains tax, you're going to tax unrealized capital gains on those who have the investable capital in the economy. Uh, you're going to raise the corporate rates 28%. You're going to just go down this laundry list of enormous tax increases. You're going to run into economic growth problems, and that always comes back to hurt the people they claim they're protecting. So mm -hmm. substantively, this, if the statement of values is, is what this document is, it's, it's not. Uh, a budget that values the private sector and economic growth. It's at odds with that. And I'll just point out, that $6.9 trade in spending is bigger than anything we did in the pandemic. Hmm. So emergency is now regular order for, for the administration and their budgets, and that's uh, just a dramatic expansion of the government. Well, talk to us for a second about the process, because you've been in the White House when, when the budget, you know, yeah. when President George H.W. Bush's budget came out, you knew it wasn't going to be the final version but you you know look this is a bargaining uh process right you need to start with everything you want knowing you're not going to get it all well the truth is we're not going to have a budget this year i mean the, the president has these proposals the house may put out a budget resolution the senate has no no indication they're going to do that the chairman of the senate budget committee has scheduled eight hearings on climate change has no intention of holding a hearing on a budget so there's no budget process thing in washington dc there are pieces of this budget that will get at those are the uh, annual appropriations, the funding for defense and, yeah. and non-defense agencies. Uh, the president has taken the, the, the entitlements off the table, says we're not going to talk about the place where most of the spending occurs, and the tax uh, proposals are a non-starter. So th this is really a very 
dysfunctional budget moment, and that's why this isn't a governance document. There will be no governance. Republicans will offer their plan in, I guess, another month or so is what we understand. Will that be a governing document, or it's the same for both here? Kevin McCarthy said, though, if I become speaker, we're going to have regular order. We're going to have 12 appropriations bills, Douglas. What happened? Uh, They may have regular order on appropriations. Now, that's 30% of the budget. They're not going to have regular order on the 70% that is mandatory spending, Mm -hmm. entitlements to to the rest of the world, or the tax side. Okay, I I see what you're saying. (laughs) You know, it's, it's not looking all the way from, you know, the bow to the stern of this of this ship of state. It's just looking in little places where it's convenient. Boy, what happens to the debate over defense spending? This has a three percent increase. House Republicans want it cut. Uh, this is one of the most surprising developments uh, in the past several years, which is the the flipping of positions on defense spending. Uh, you know, Democrats for years were demanding. Uh, more than equal treatment for non-defense discretionary in exchange for what Republicans wanted on the defense side. Now roles have reversed, and it all revolves around Ukraine and the projection of U.S. force overseas. And and obviously some Republicans, particularly in the House, have a view uh, that's much more circumscribed and, and isolationist than, than traditional Republican positions. So if, this won't break cleanly. Uh, House Republicans and Senate Republicans may not even agree on this issue. When it comes to the debt ceiling, Douglas, uh, do we get a CR, kick the debt ceiling to September so all of this will be wrapped up into one big deal? Uh, you can't kick the, the debt ceiling. Um, right now— well, let's say they suspend it for six months or something, but do, is there going to be an alignment on the, on the timeline? So the, the thing that has to happen on the debt limit in, a, in an expeditious fashion, you have to either raise or suspend it. Yep. And if they get the votes to do either of those things, they won't do it for six months. It'll go past the 24 election, so no one has to deal with this again. <laughs> wow, this is a real reality check. Uh, we appreciate it. Douglas holtz as ever, thank you, sir, for joining us, the American Action Forum president. With us on Sound On on this budget day in Washington, although he's going to Pennsylvania for it again, so it must be campaign season. Let's assemble our panel and get honest with Kristen Hahn, the partner at Rock Solutions. Back with us today, former communications director and chief political advisor to the Blue Dog Coalition. Lisa Camuso-Miller is also with us, former communications director for the RNC, our Republican strategist. It's great to have you both here. Kristen, we just heard from a Republican economist on this for the last 10 minutes in Douglas Holtz-Eakin. Do you see this statement of values as an important moment here, or are you kind of as I don't know, I won't say skeptical as he is, but Douglas just doesn't see any of this adding up to anything. He doesn't even have a budget this year at all. I mean, he's right about that. So functionally, there's not going to be a budget this year. But I do think that it's <laughs> the statement of values is important, right? Yeah. It's important for the American people to see where the president is. And it, frankly, can put the current Speaker of the House, um, McCarthy, in a tough spot because he keeps saying he wants to balance the budget, he wants to raise the debt mm-hmm. and deficit. Um but they haven't put out a plan. So, you know, th- there can be a lot of public discourse back and forth and putting people in tough spots. Um, but it's it's surely a messaging. It's a messaging item. But also a campaign season messaging item that puts to some extent or at least is trying to put Kevin McCarthy in a corner here, forcing Republicans to vote against these ideas of holding big corporations and the wealthy accountable. Is that Yeah, and I think that there are some things in this budget that are clearly red meat to the base, but there are other things that are really, really popular. So you put, you know, 
some of these rank and file Republicans in a difficult spot, like he included capping the price of insulin. That's enormously popular, obviously. Um, also, what we found is popular uh, among uh, independent voters is, you know, this sense that, you know, Jeff Bezos pays less in taxes that than, you know, some teachers do. I mean, the, so the idea that the wealthy, uber wealthy need to pay their fair share is also a popular notion among um, many voters uh, in the country. So in that way, you can kind of, you know, send some messages to your to your base, but also kind of put some of these Republicans in a tough yeah. spot. Let's add Lisa Camusa Miller's voice to this. Uh, Lisa, I, I don't know your your impressions on the top line numbers here, but what's Kevin McCarthy's move? Does he want to sit down with the president, make a negotiation? Is there going to be no conversation? What's the next move here? Oh, no, I think this is the opening salvo. I mean, I think we're going to have a lot of conversation um, in on the airwaves, maybe not necessarily in the White okay. House or on Capitol Hill. Uh, but it, it that really doesn't is, sound I productive. I know. Well, it, you know, it's Washington after all. But Kristen's point is good. I mean, I think that um, this is. Is, it's the opening conversation. The White House has certainly put in uh, a lot of the conversation that, that we're going to hear. We obviously heard that from Minority uh, Leader Jeffries. And the other thing, too, is that McCarthy just said last night, debt's a problem, right? And the president responded by offering a plan, $3 trillion reduction over 10 years, which maybe is a starting conversation. Unfortunately, Joe, you and I and Kristen all watched the, the unfolding of how we got to a speaker at the beginning of the year. The, the goalpost is going to move and change and evolve over the course of time. So Republican Republicans in the House are going to be hard to work with because we really don't know where it is they are. But uh, the other thing I want to mention is they have said that they will come up and offer a budget plan, and that's expected in the beginning of May. So we've got a little bit of time to go. Yeah, it, it, it's weeks away. Uh, the debt ceiling, they tell us, Kristen, uh, we, we hit X date somewhere between July and August. How do these coincide? I asked Douglas the same thing. Will there be an attempt to align these into one big deal or do we actually – I mean I think I know the answer. We're not going to do this one at a time. No, we're not going to do it one at a time and I think you have to look at it. It's a little bit more complex than that. So you know, it, eventually there have to have conversations about how we get to the point where we can raise the debt limit. And yeah. In my opinion, you're going to have to have Democratic votes in the House to do that. Now – the president, yes, it's his budget, but he's sending a message, right? He's sending mm -hmm. a message. This is what I'm willing to talk about, right? And mm -hmm. then McCarthy's going to have to do the same thing um, on the other side. And I know that the White House rightfully is saying there's no reason why we should negotiate over that. But I think you're going to have some of these other members, particularly or at least in the House, who are kind of sitting more on the center left space, like the people like the Blue Dogs, you know, yeah, stuff like that, sure. who are going to come into the conversation um, and necessarily be, you know, a an important part of how we get to the point where we do the responsible thing mm -hmm. and raise the debt limit so we actually pay our bills and, you know, we don't have the disaster that follows of default on our loans. Well, let me bring you back to the 2nd of February, and I could, by the way, take my choice of days when he said this, Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Whichever way they want to talk about it, I'm very clear. We will not pass a clean debt ceiling here without some form of spending reform. Spending so there'll never reform. be a clean one. I don't know how they want to say it. That's fine. But at the end of the day, we're going to get spending reforms. I, I believe you have to lift the debt ceiling, but you do not lift the debt ceiling without changing your behavior. He's not going to like what he reads in this plan here, obviously, Lisa, but I'm sure he has not changed his position on this. If you can't have a clean debt ceiling bill and he won't raise the debt ceiling without an agreement on spending reforms here, are we talking default? I think it's a risk. I do think that there's a possibility. But if the Republicans are smart and they're thinking about this politically, they will get to where they can be 
uh, where they can negotiate and get this right before we get to that point, right? If we default, the blame comes to Republicans next uh, November in the in the ballot box, right? I would think anyway. So they have to be smart about it. They have to be in a position where they can come to negotiation, they can come to a conversation, and they can mm-hmm. have some things that will get us to an agreement. Unfortunately, though, even though the speaker is saying what he's saying, he knows inside his conference he has a very different set of voices where mm-hmm. everybody is in a different place. So it's going to be it's going to be painful to watch. And some members willing to try to fire him over it. Kristen Hahn, Lisa Cabuso Miller. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On podcast. Catch us live weekdays at 5 Eastern on Bloomberg.com, the iHeartRadio app, and the Bloomberg Business app. Or listen on demand wherever you get your podcasts. Not a good day for the CEO at Norfolk Southern, the rail company. Of course, it's not been a good month for the people of East Palestine, and that's how you end up with hearings like today's before the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee taking it from all sides. I want to begin today by expressing how deeply sorry I am for the impact this derailment has had on the residents of East Palestine and the surrounding communities. CEO Alan Shaw. I've been to East Palestine many times over the past month. I've talked with the leaders, the business owners, the school officials, the clergy, and others throughout the community. They've shared their stories and their concerns about the health of their families and the future of the community they love. I am determined to make this right. And uh, that was part of the opening statement. It went precipitously downhill from there as questioning began. Senator, pardon me, Senator, I'm committing to do what's right. talking to Senator Ed Markey here. What's right is a family that had a home worth $100,000 that is now worth $50,000 will probably never be able to sell that home for $100,000 again. Will you compensate that family for that loss? Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Senator, I'm committed to do what's right. That is the right thing to do. 
These are the people who are innocent victims, Mr. Shaw. Of course, everyone is filming this for somebody. Bernie Sanders says you sound like a politician when he spoke with Alan Shaw. And we want to reassemble the panel for their take on this. Kristen Hahn is here, Democratic analyst, partner at Rock Solutions, former comms director, chief political advisor of the Blue Dog Coalition. Lisa Camuso Miller is here, too, former comms director for the RNC. So we have all of our bases covered. Uh, this is a bipartisan moment here, right? Both of you are going to agree on this, although maybe Lisa takes a ding at President Biden not going to East Palestine. It brings us back to the derailment, though, uh, the burning of toxic gases that some people still don't know exactly what the long-term impact will be. Uh, Kristen, is this a good exercise or is this a lot of campaign commercials being filmed? I mean, I feel like look at the Senate, um, you know, and you've got the senators from both those states and other senators on both sides of the aisle mm -hmm. who have bipartisan legislation stepping up to the plate, doing, you know, what they think is right and talking about how do we regulate um, and fix these problems. Um, and then on the House side, and I'm a House person, but, yeah. you know, you have um, <laughs> members of the House saying that they're going to do everything they can um, to investigate the Biden administration for okay. their failed response. So this is a more productive so, exercise yeah. uh, in the Senate chamber. <laughs> yes. Uh, look, there's a lot to talk about here, Lisa, about rail regulations, uh, some of which were relaxed in the Trump administration. And what some are accusing the Biden administration of being a lax or somehow late response, although we should remind everyone the EPA and CDC were there within three hours, I believe. There's been a question about a presidential visit, though, and a hearing like this, Lisa, brings it all up, doesn't it? Yeah, it sure does. I mean, you can't play politics with people's health. And that's exactly what this comes down to. I mean, this is a, this is an issue that you know these people are in their homes, they're doing their day, they're on to work, their kids are in school, and there's a train derailment. And then there was no communication about what the threat was, what was happening for a very what felt like a very long time. So there was a lot that was going on. We need to know answers. Those pe regardless of politics, Joe, the people of East Palestine deserve to be protected, supported and and given all of the opportunity they can to maybe move away or be away from whatever's happening right now so that they can be healthy and well. Well, you like to think that a hearing like this does more than, you know, get people talking. Uh, there is a call for bipartisan legislation, Kristen, uh, to tighten rail safety standards, to come back around, reinstate some of those regulations and actually maybe even make it tougher. Is that is that a layup after an event like this? By the way, I'm going to add, and I should have said this already, while he was talking while Alan Shaw was testifying. There was another Norfolk Southern derailment in Alabama. So sadly, it should be a layup, but I don't think, you know, any piece of legislation getting it through both the House and the Senate is. However, um, I think you you have to take or they have to take moments like this to come together and, you know, have a conversation about regulation yeah. um, and what needs to actually be done. Is it a congressional solution here? Does it have to be legislation, uh, Kristen, or is that a non-starter and the president needs to start working up uh, some kind of an executive action? I mean, I think you can do both, but I'm always a huge proponent of congressional action if you can do it. Um, you know, executive orders, they can be, they can be, they go back and forth, yeah. right? And so you have sustained, um, you know, with congressional action, you have um, sustained policies, regulations that these companies can even live by uh, in the future. How's this get done, Kristen? I'm sorry, Lisa. 
Well, I'd like to think that it would get done quickly, Joe, but the problem is, just as Kristen had mentioned, it's going to be more difficult, right? It's going to be hard mm-hmm. to get through the Senate and onto the House who's going to make this political. So it does have to be sort of a, it has to be both. You have to walk and chew gum. The White House has to do something in the administration in order to get this done quickly. But there needs to be some legislative action that's going to put this in place so that the, it isn't undone when the next White House is is uh, in power or next party is in power. But it's going to be a cooperation. The interesting thing, though, Joe, is that it's happening in Ohio. And Ohio yeah. is a critical state for 2024. So right. as much as I say it shouldn't be politics, it's going to be politics. Well, you know, what if J.D. Vance got the ball rolling on this? Who needs to actually crack the seal on this, uh, Lisa? Who's the Republican? Because obviously Democrats want to see some tougher regulations. But J.D. Vance seems to be uh, feeling this on a local level that, that might be able to make a difference. Is, is, is that true or not? Well, I'm sure he is. I mean, this certainly speaks to what it is he at least started the campaign on. He's changed his tone so many times, it's hard to sort of know. But I think more than anything, the governor needs to take the lead here, right? This has got to be a state-led operation. The governor is going to do everything they can, and that's how that's going to really get done. That's the chief executive in the state, and they're going to do everything uh, in that administration to make sure that that Congress is paying attention, that the Senate is paying attention. Mm-hmm. J.D. Vance should be the guy that steps up, but it'll be interesting to see how that really plays out. So let's talk more about the political side of it then. Does Joe Biden actually go to East Palestine at this point, Kristen, or is it just too late? There's no point at this I mean. Donald Trump's come and gone now. I wouldn't say there's no point. Certainly, um, there was a lot going on with the president's schedule and a vice yeah. presidential visit or an earlier visit by the secretary. Um, you bring the whole circus, the motorcade, everything into But the yeah, zone. I mean, th- th- that can create uh, distractions of its own. I think what's more important um, is what's actually happening uh, on the ground now that, um, you know, in this, this Senate hearing is sure. kind of. You know, he keeps hearing about it, though. He cares more about Ukraine than the people of Ohio. You just go check the box. Well, it's going to be there are going to be political attacks on the president no matter what he does, um, sure. mostly coming from uh, House Republicans. So I don't think he can avoid that. Our panel in place with Lisa Camuso Miller and Kristen Hahn. I want to ask you both quickly about something that happened overnight here it was late last night. Actually, Mitch McConnell uh, spent the night in the hospital. Fell down at a private dinner at what used to be the Trump Hotel. It's the Waldorf now, right over by the White House on Pennsylvania Avenue. Uh, We know that he has trouble getting around. Uh, He had polio as a child, and he's uh, he's an aging man. Lisa, are you concerned about this, that the minority leader fell last night? Oh, yeah. I mean, of course, absolutely concerned, concerned for anyone's health whenever they fall or have an incident like this. But uh, I don't think there's any tougher uh, member of the Senate than uh, Senator McConnell. So I have every expectation that he's going to come out of this well. Uh, But certainly I'm hoping that um, he comes through easily and without too much complication and everything else. His office released a statement, Kristen. He is expected to remain in the hospital for a few days of observation and treatment writes uh, the leader is grateful to the medical professionals for their care and to his colleagues for their warm wishes uh good tone but to know that he's going to be there for days is actually a pretty big deal i'm surprised this isn't getting more coverage well i mean it's a big deal but it's you know i i would echo everything that lisa said i mean yeah. obviously everybody's hoping for um a quick recovery for the um, minority leader in the senate um you know, I think that when politicians are of a certain age, I mean, you see what happened when Joe Biden just happened to fall off of his bike. There's a lot of attention paid to it. Now, right. I'm not saying that there's there shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, these are, you know, 
the leaders of our country. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I think everybody's hoping for a quick recovery. Well, this does have, you know, there are political implications to these things. We're trying to be, I think, graceful and respectful about this, Lisa. But, you know, Kristen's right. Joe Biden does take a lot of flack for being an old guy who sometimes stumbles around. Has this become an issue for Mitch McConnell or, or he goes back to work without an issue? Oh, I mean, he'll be back to work without an issue. But, you know, if you're a candidate for president and you're younger, like yeah. Nikki Haley, you're willing to uh, take a shot at some of these folks to say that maybe this is another example of why we need to have younger people in office. Right. I mean, she came out ready to go and ready to have that conversation all through the month of February and, and even into, and into March. I don't know what they're going to do to candidates, but please don't make me take the cognitive test. If that's what my job is writing on, I'm just not. What is it? Woman, man, TV, camera. camera. camera All right, I'll I'll practice it. Camera, TV. Kristen, thank you so much. Great to see you here once again. Kristen Hahn with Rock Solutions and Lisa Camuso-Miller, former comms director of the RNC. Way to go, Lisa. I'm going to tell everybody about your podcast uh, coming up really soon, too. Great panel. Great conversation. You're listening to the Bloomberg Sound On Podcast. Catch the program live weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio, the TuneIn app, Bloomberg.com, and the Bloomberg Business app. You can also listen live on Amazon Alexa from our flagship New York station. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. The FAA, of course, has been under a lot of scrutiny lately after a, a number of reported near misses in places like New York, in Boston, and Austin. Over the past couple of months, it feels like there's another one in the news every day. And then when you try to fly, of course, you sit in the gate for hours. You wonder if your plane's going to actually get off because the crew can't get to the airport. It's just been a difficult time for a lot of reasons. Coming out of COVID, dealing with antiquated systems. The acting administrator of the FAA, Billy Nolan, testified in front of the Senate Committee on Commerce, Science and Transportation a hearing that began Wednesday going into today on the safety of the aviation industry since the 737 MAX disasters. Here's Nolan. The FAA understands and embraces the importance of continuously raising the bar on aviation safety. We are treating aircraft as complex systems with full consideration of how all the elements in the operating system interact. Well, you heard about it from Stephen Lynch, of course, the congressman from Massachusetts, South Boston, leaning in. He actually spoke to us about it here on Bloomberg. In fact, he spoke with our station in Boston about this. It's an interview you're going to hear later today. We've been lucky that we've had no loss of life in any of these incidents, but, you know, it can't continue in this way. We lose the trust of the traveling public, and also there's dire consequences when people are trapped on a plane and it's in a collision. It's a very dangerous and difficult situation. This is where we start our conversation with Liliana Byington, Bloomberg government transportation reporter. Liliana, it's great to have you here. What is this committee actually attempting to do other than air concerns about what's happening at the FAA? Yeah, lawmakers are really focused on aviation right now, as you described, after recent disruption and now these spat of near-miss incidents. What they can do about it is Lawmakers are working on a bipartisan aviation bill that they are seeking to pass this year, the authorization for the Federal Aviation Administration, which happens every few years, happens to expire this year after September 30th. So they do have an opportunity to pass something to direct aviation policy for the next few years, and they're taking these you know, incidents and this disruption into consideration as they figure out what policies they want to advance. Well, I guess it's a good thing maybe this renewal is happening in the middle of all this now to kind of force everyone to take another look at it then, right? Yeah, it's it's particularly good timing for lawmakers to focus on this. They're planning a lot of hearings 
We had Acting Minister Nolan here yesterday, and he was also here last month before the committee. So they're planning a lot more hearings looking at certification and and safety and and workforce issues. So there's definitely going to be a huge focus on the Hill on aviation going forward over the next few months to see if they can get together a bipartisan bill on this. The FAA is also hosting a safety summit next week following those near-miss near crashes mm-hmm. um, just because they really want to put an emphasis on what are any solutions they could look to here as they've received all this scrutiny. How much of this has to do with aging equipment, antiquated technology versus lack of experienced manpower? I think there's kind of mixed opinions on on what the direct causes, and they're looking into that now. What we saw in January when the FAA had a system outage that grounded all flight departures temporarily for a day, which was really rare, that was more of a system outage based on the aging systems that they have, which in, you know, Biden's budget proposal today, they're requesting a little bit more money to update those systems, which they've long been working on updating them. But that's something that has contributed to some of their issues, and they are investing more in in kind of ramping up their modernization of a lot of their technology, as well as trying to hire this year, which, of course, is difficult in any industry right now. But they're trying to get experienced people in there because they've had a lot of retirement. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common... It's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Thanks for the context here. Liliana Byington, great work at Bloomberg Government. You can find her work, of course, on the terminal or at Bloomberg.com, transportation reporter, uh, writing about the hearings for us today. Again, Congressman Stephen Lynch uh, speaking with Bloomberg in Boston, says he already met with the Air Traffic Controllers Union about all Well, we sent a letter out to demand a review of the FAA because they're in control of ground and air operations, but 
I met yesterday with one of the uh, leaders in the Air Traffic Controllers Union to try to find out if there's something going on there with personnel or training. At this point, we don't really have one single cause that it has been identified. He's demanding a review of FAA flight operations uh, overall following the near misses and some of the other things we've been talking about. And our thanks to Tom Maroney and Joe Shortsleeve on Bloomberg Bay State Business in Boston uh, for that. This is an interesting opportunity to talk to Sarah Nelson, who I always enjoy talking about regarding a number of issues. But right in the middle of this, she and her 50,000 members at the Association of Flight Attendants are at the mercy of a lot of the stuff we're talking about here. And Sarah, I want to welcome you back. It's great to have you. Do you support this review that's underway now? Certainly. We're going to take part in the Safety Summit this next week with the FAA. But let me just, I think it's really important to recognize that our union has been speaking up along with uh, the pilots, the machinists, the air traffic yeah. controllers, uh, all of the aviation unions for quite some time, that um, in in many cases the uh, uh, authorization of the FAA funding and priorities has been subject to a series of extensions. And whenever that happens, you can't have any long-term planning for infrastructure and improving that. You also, it's much harder to um, hire because you don't have the money or the plan or the budgeting yep. for additional hiring. And the air traffic controllers have really been working at um, a deficit of staffing for quite some time. It takes a long time to get really skilled for this. And don't forget, they have such a, a stressful job that they have a mandatory retirement age of age 56. So this has been a compound of issues uh, from well before COVID. COVID certainly added to it. But this, the, uh, it's very important that uh, as we look at this in a bipartisan effort, they cannot delay um, putting in place the reauthorization um, bill for this year with clear priorities, clear funding, long-term, so that we can plan, so that we can hire, so that we can invest in that infrastructure. Because what we're experiencing right now has been a series of these extensions and, and not real uh, in investment in the jobs and the infrastructure that is going to keep our aviation system safe. Is anyone hearing a recurring theme around here? This is the this is the budget debate happening in all corners of government, right? If you keep kicking the can, no one can control the spending. Nobody ends up getting what they actually want because money's going in the wrong places sometimes or there's not enough or whatever that is. Sarah, you've been in the middle of this since coming out of COVID. Uh, there have been so many cross currents that make your job and your members' jobs more difficult here. Uh, do you, yeah. without that, authorization feel that the system will be less safe? I have to say yes, um, because any distraction, we're, we're taught um, as safety prof- professionals that the first rule in safety is to remove all distractions possible. And what could be more distracting than air traffic controllers not knowing, for example, not knowing if there's going to be a shutdown because they don't come to a solution? Because an extension is one thing, but the other uh, alternative is just not coming to a deal, not reauthorizing and, and having a shutdown like we saw in uh, early 2019. Um, so that's a huge distraction, not to mention the fact that any time that you get close to a deadline like that, what the agency has to start preparing for is shutdown plans. So they put aside efforts to put in place the new plans, the new infrastructure, the new programs that, mm. that they're trying to put in place, the hiring that they're putting in place. And they have to redirect all of their efforts into a shutdown plan because only uh, the employees who are deta- deemed essential come to work. And if they don't have uh, the rest of the agency to support them, there has to be a plan for that for that shutdown. So that's what happens anytime you get close to a deadline. And that's why... We 
we say right. to lawmakers, this is this is not a funny thing. This is not a political thing to mess around with. Um, you got to get the funding, you got to get the priorities in there, and you got to get it in place so that we don't have distractions to safety. Hmm. Boy, you just said a lot. Is anyone consulting you on this, Sarah? Are you in the conversation with lawmakers in Washington? Do they know what they're talking about? Uh, they have a hard time not hearing from me, um, but <laughs> I, I yes, it. <laughs> we're we're also going to be at the safety summit with the FAA is holding next week, and um, you know this this is top of mind for us. And I, I would just add from a flight attendant's perspective that um, when we talk about distractions, the outbursts on board in the cabin. That is another distraction. You look at that flight that was going from LA to Boston and we had the guy who fashioned the spoon into a weapon yep. um, and actually attacked the flight attendant. That was on descent. That's a critical phase of flight. What's happening during that situation is that people are not buckled in. That can give uh, a chance for other people to get thrown around the cabin or hurt. And you're trying to let the pilots know that there's an emergency happening in the cabin right at the time when they're supposed to be focusing on landing the plane. Um, <laughs> so distractions everywhere are what we have to deal with. And part of what has to go into this bill is not only funding and infrastructure and the ability to have a robust jobs plan to get people hired and get people trained up, but also um, efforts to remove the distractions from aviation. We don't need these outbursts on the plane. We don't need uh, limited staffing of flight attendants on the plane, gate agents at the gate, because if the we also learn in the first rule of aviation is keep all problems on the ground. Hmm. And when you have fewer people staffed in the airports uh, to be able to see where the problems may be arising, uh, it's more likely you're going to have problems on the plane. And when you have fewer people on the plane to be able to respond to that, it's more likely those little problems are going to become big problems. So this is an, a, a worldview on aviation. We all play a part in safety, and you've got to bring it all together. It all matters. And bottom line, like I said, remove all distractions and put mm-hmm. your first and total focus on safety. Passengers, when they buy those tickets, they want to know that they can take safety for granted because we're all doing our job to make sure that they're God safe. God knows. Boy, well put. Leave your problems on the ground. Sarah Nelson, we can put numbers on what you're talking about here and this is these the from the FAA, more than 2,300 reports of unruly passengers in the last calendar year, 2022. 823 of those cases were so severe, they led to investigations. The second most violent year in the air after 2021, which we don't want to repeat. Sarah, what's the protocol? If you're a flight attendant, if, if, if you're a member of your union, you're expected to defuse this, right? I mean, there there is protocol to deal with these insane events in the air. Yes. Well, look, thousands of flights take off and land every day without event, and that's usually because flight attendants are managing potential conflicts and de-escalating. We're trained in de-escalation, and flight attendants do a really phenomenal job with that. Um, but these events have been on the rise, and, and uh, there are a lot of issues that uh, relate to that. And, it, you know, it also... It, this, all of the jobs in aviation, you, you do better as you have experience. And um, so as we're coming out of COVID and some people were not able to get to work because there wasn't any flights to work, um, the airlines don't have the ability to really plan for a schedule that makes sense because the shift has gone from business travel to leisure travel. Um, the markets that are served are different. Um, all of these things are adding to it. And then you, you've got everything that happened pre-COVID with jamming the seats together. So one of the things that we need to look at in this bill, for example, is what Tammy Duckworth is putting forward. 
forward and assessing the evacuation standards and whether or not the configuration of the aircraft is even safe, whether or not there's enough flight attendants uh, in ratio to passengers to be able to deal with these things. But yes, we are trained in this. And the one thing that I would say to anyone who's flying is wait for flight attendants to instruct you to get involved. Let us know if you see a problem brewing so that we can get to it as soon as possible. We're experts in doing this. And we will give instruction to passengers when and if we think we need, they need to help. The only time a passenger should ever get up without a flight attendant asking for it is if you see imminent danger of someone oh, being harmed. Wow. I see these videos just like everyone else does, Sarah. They're chilling. I, I can't even imagine what I would do if I was sitting next to you in front of or behind somebody who decided to push it to that level on an airplane. Are you coming to Washington to testify when this gets going? Oh, yes. I'm sure I'll be up there testifying again. And I am here and uh, we are talking to lawmakers every single day with many of them last night and speaking to uh, a couple of them right after we get off the phone. And we even have 50 activists from around the country who are here up on the Hill right now talking about these issues with their uh, representatives. Talking with Sarah Nelson of the Association of Flight Attendants, your name was on a short list. We kept hearing Sarah to be the next labor secretary. Uh, I just wonder if if that was real, if you talked to the White House and if that's a job you'd ever be interested in. So it was real. Uh, Senator Sanders made it real. Um, And I was very clear that uh, I think that uh, it's really important that we all are doing the jobs that are important. Julie Sue is a phenomenal deputy secretary. I actually wish that she had been tapped for labor secretary right from the beginning, but I'm so, uh, so, so happy that she has gotten the nomination from the president now. Uh, we're good friends, and, and frankly, you know, she's doing a great job inside government. There has to be a good people pushing on from outside government, too. So I would, it would have been hard to turn down a direct request from the president, but I'm really happy with the way that <laughs> That it turned out. Well, that's great to hear. And I hope that you'll stay in touch with us because we value your insights, Sarah. Sarah Nelson is president of the Association of Flight Attendants. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.